0: Hello listeners, it is 5.05pm on the 22nd of May and Anthony Albanese will be the next Prime Minister of Australia. I am James Morgan as always here with Everald Compton, the man who for pretty much a year on this show has been predicting a big wave of minor parties and independents to enter the Parliament this year and a man who I'm sure is feeling very vindicated right now. How are you Ev?
1: Well, I'm fine, thanks. And I actually did, in this you know, on Twitter and Facebook, I actually did forecast a hung parliament in my thing I put out. Now, it may not be a hung parliament. We'll have a look at that. But, uh, but the thing is, it was a, uh, you know, a, a, a long drawn out night before there was a result happened, and and uh, and so it was either. You know, we'll probably one of the more spectacular election nights, one way and another, for all sorts of reasons than we've had for a while. But you tell me how you saw it pan out first and then I'll give you my version. Well, what do you reckon caused Almo to win and, uh, you know, whatever you?
0: Look, I've, I've been on this earth 22 years now and for all but six of those years we've had a coalition government and for those six years that we did have a Labor government, I was between the ages of eight years old and 14 years old. Now, there are people who are 26 years old, four years older than me, and who've only seen six years of Labor government in their life, had 20 years of Liberal government, Howard, Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison. Um, And what I saw last night, what I felt last night was hope. A lot of young people voting for the Greens, voting for Labor, voting for Teal independence, and a lot of older people voting that way too hopeful for a better future and a better country um hopeful that we could leave prejudice division racism hate um uh, behind us transphobia another one in the rearview mirror goodbye katherine deeves um hopeful that we could leave all these things behind us and look to a future of climate action of a fairer economy of safe jobs um you know at albanese said it best in his speech his victory speech when he said he hopes to craft an Australia where no matter where you come from, the colour of your skin, what your surname is, what gender you are, etc., an Australia where you can thrive. And I think that's the vision of the country that 52, uh, 53, somewhere in the middle percent of the voters wanted. And that's a vision of the country that Scott Morrison did not want. And at the end of the day.
1: Now, it's interesting that you say what the voters want. Well, first of all, Uh, Let's congratulate Albo that he won. Uh, I uh, did not want Morrison to be returned. I feared that he might turn on one of his spectacular campaigns again and be returned, but I feared him carrying on in in government, and I was worried that Albo would stuff it up, and every time he made one of those bleeps that he had, I got got worried. Uh, But I also wanted a hung parliament, Because I wanted the Greens and uh, who had a good climate policy, and I wanted the independents who would bring some new life to the whole, I wanted them to get there. The best way for that was in a hung parliament. And so at the moment, I think it could be that Elbow sneaks over the line at 76, but the ABC says 72 at this moment, and the Guardian says 73. Uh, But they've got a lot of seats that are pending. Uh, They've only got. Greens are two, and I think the Greens have got more than two. But, uh, you know, so, so here we have, uh, you know, we have a, a change and we've now got to hope that is now, I, I hope that, uh, I went on Twitter and said that I hope that Almo can create that cohesive, positive, prosperous Australia that, uh, that we want. And now that he's won, whether we like him or not, he's the Prime Minister. We respect the office of the Prime Minister we give him the best goal we can to achieve what he said he wants to achieve, it would be wrong to sort of say, well, let's hinder Alba in every way we can. That's just been plain dumb. Whether you like him or not, all the has got to get by to him and give him a go. And if he doesn't work out, well, in three years' time, we can do something about it. So we've got an election now where uh, things can happen. But you say that people voted, uh, you know, uh, for a change, did that various ways. For instance, both the major parties, the LNP and Labour, have got a drop in their vote from last time. The, the yep. primary votes that they got dropped, the primary votes. Now, you might say, well, some Labour people went for the Greens and that comes back and, and whatever in and a vote for the Greens was a vote for change. But both the major parties lost ground. And I think, and so the amount of votes that Albo got. Well, less than what Bill Shorten got, and yet Bill Shorten lost, and Albo was getting there. So there's some there's some anomalies there. So I don't know that the people voted for the main parties, or even uh, voted for Albo itself. What they did vote was for something different, and we've now got something different. And I think we give it a go. What's your thought on that?
0: I will say just um just one thing on your point about the primary vote of both major parties dropping. Um, one reason obviously for the big drop specifically in Labor's primary vote is that in a lot of the teal independent seats where Labour normally polls around 20 to 30 or 20 to 25 percent, um you saw Labour polling sort of six percent, seven percent, because a lot of Labour voters were tactical voting and voting for the teals. Yeah. And so if if you take out those seats, the sort of people mean, tactically yeah. moving from Labour, the Labour right vote right. winds up pretty similar to where it was in 2019.
1: Yeah. A little bit lower
0: or a little bit higher, depending on how it shakes out.
1: Um, i think your point about that. But now let's, let's look at, uh, you know, some of the things. Uh, some issues there were. Uh, 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 let's look, uh, first of all, at, at the teals, why they did well. And now let's start with the greens first, because they've been round longer than the teals. Then we go to the teals. Then we'll have a look at some of the spectacular wins and, and losses. I, I believed, and I said so in my forecast on Friday, that the Greens would score some seats because they were the only ones that had a decent climate change policy. Uh, and Morrison had one that was schoolboy stuff. Albo just did enough to put himself ahead of, uh, of of Morrison but made sure that Murdoch didn't hit him too hard. And so the Greens were the only ones that went in with that show. And, and as soon as that happened, I said to myself, the under-30s, the under 30 vote, which the pollsters all seem to ignore anyway, the under 30 vote, where the young people are the ones passionate about climate change, that they're going to go for the Greens uh, real big. And I think that happened. Because even, you know, at all the seats across Australia, the Green vote went up, even in the ones that they, they, they lost. And so uh, I, I think that the, the fact that the Greens got where they did was that young Australia said, we're going to do something about climate change. A- a- and so it
0: happened. Do you see it that way? Well, yeah, no, you're entirely right. Like, um, Labor abandoned some of their more progressive 2019 policies, such as the getting rid of negative gearing, yeah. uh, such as the getting rid of franking credits. They've replaced them with different policies, of course, like, you know, the, the home to buy shared equity scheme with the government, which I think is a, is a good scheme. But it's, it's undeniable that Labor has, um, you know, they also dropped, at least for their first year of government, a review into uh, the unemployment rate, for example, uh, like unemployment welfare rate, for example, which is another policy. So there has there was a shift to the right in the Labor Party. Greens have said, yoink, we'll take that. Um, you know, the Liberal Party lurched to the right. The Labor Party shifted a little bit to the right to try to pick up the voters disillusioned by the Liberals' lurch to the right. And then when Labor shifts to the right a little bit, the Greens say, thank you very much, because that puts the Greens, um, you know, there, there are disillusioned Labor voters and disillusioned coalition voters, both of whom want the most meaningful climate action, both of whom want net zero by 2030, not 2050, who are very receptive to the Greens message. And I say congratulations to the Greens. And I'm hoping, even if Labor does win majority, which I'm hoping for, obviously, we listen to the Greens, we work with the Greens, and we stop punching left and focus on the real bad guy here, because the Greens aren't the bad guy here. They are, they are our friends. We should be working with them.
1: Yeah, and, and, and now we must also, by the way, we'll, we'll now talk about the Teals or the independents. Uh, we also got to talk about why the National Party didn't lose any seats. Barnaby didn't lose a single seat. I tried hard to make sure he did, but he didn't. But so we'll come to that. But look at the independents. It's very interesting. I worked for six independents in the bush. Five in the House of Reps and one running for the Senate. And I put a big effort. and they were splendid people. Not one of them won. They were independents who did not line up with the Simon Holmes' Accord and his Climate 200 team. They were people who said, no, we want to show that we're genuine independents and we raised our money ourselves in their own efforts, and they did. They didn't have enough money. But they didn't want to identify with Simon. Now they all lost. There wasn't the only teals that got up were those that Simon Holmes had Court financed, and got there. So you might say, well, the ones I did were a bit naive. They should have taken the money. Well, well, they decided that they wouldn't, and and I admired them for that. Now they did. They all did. Well, the one in Calair was the one uh, Kate Talbot was the uh, the Hook, Rather was the the, the one who. Uh, and got closest to winning. It was between her and the Nats in the end that she beat the Labor Party and the Greens and everybody. But they did win. So why is it that only Simon Holmes, of course, Bob, won?
0: Well, realistically, it's a numbers game, right? Like you need 50.00001% of the vote to win, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, the history books will show that none of the Bush independents got up. Not, not the one in Cowper, not the one in Nichols, not the one in Hinkler, not yeah. the one in uh, Rube, Susie Holt, not the one in Calair, Kate Hook. But that's what the history books will say on the surface. What the history books won't say on the surface is that Hinkler went from being a seat controlled by the Nationals at a like 65-35 margin to 52-48. Um, yeah. Cowper was another seat that went from being like 63-37 Nationals to 52 48 there are a lot of seats a lot of national seats casey is another one um a lot of bush seats where yes these bush independents didn't win but they gave these nationals sitting on 65 35 margins a heck of a fight because you know it a a 15 percent sweep is huge like that's enormous you only get three or four of those
1: every election
0: if that and these yeah a lot of these bush independents they didn't win but they, yeah. they still got 14%, 15% swings towards them. It just fell short. So,
1: Well, well let's hope they, they, they do better next time. But the facts of the matter are that Barnaby didn't lose any seats and they, they hung on one way or another.
0: Hung and on, yeah. Barnaby
1: can now say to to Skomo, uh, to, to, uh, uh, to well, Scomo's going to disappear, so he says, and I presume Dutton will be the leader. He can make total say, we, we we didn't lose any seats, and you blokes did. Therefore, we want more shadow portfolios. You blokes are hopeless." We, so I think we'll come and look at the fate of the coalition in a minute. But coming back to the deal, obviously, the Simon's are home a court help because he was behind the scenes running a campaign. I just did. As well, yeah. yeah, it wasn't just them out there; he, he was running a campaign. And there's a really, I, mean, I think he was backing David Pocock in the Senate in ACT. And I think that David Pocock might win there, you know. And that's uh, well, I hope he does because he's a real good bloke. But anyway, uh, you know, it's the whole issue of, uh, of the independence. And you've got to wonder when you look at it where the tears went. They got the whole of the Sydney coastline just about. They got Wentworth and then crossed the harbour and they got North Sydney and then they got McKellar and then they got Warringah. That's why all along the coast is at the sea, the sea air that gets behind them all there.
0: <laughs> well, um, I suppose that the first thing to say is when we say they were backed by Simon Holmes' report, they are all fiercely independent candidates, um, contrary to the narrative of the Liberals and yeah. the Murdoch media were pushing, pushing are not controlled by Simon Holmes court it's just a case of you know he helped them with he he funding yeah those those sorts of things just just for any listeners who didn't know but i found it really funny that um the first two teals to get up um were sophie scamps dr sophie Scamps in mckella and kylie tink in north sydney now the reason i say it's funny is because they most of the focus wasn't on them in the campaign most of the focus was on zoe daniel monique ryan allegra spender
1: yeah, um, that's true.
0: They got uh, all the publicity, yeah. And Zali Stengel. Like, they were sort of the ones most platform. And yet um, Kate Cheney and Curtin in WA, another teal independent who got up, that wasn't really the focal point of the, the teal bashing by the Murdoch media. Um, I was talking to a friend on the election night. And I think his, his take on it's probably the right one. Um the the sophie scamps is kylie chinks etc though they weren't front page news every day like dr monique ryan and was um they all even though they are all independent candidates again i stress they are all independent um the way the murdoch media was bashing them relentlessly and trying to make it out like they were all this secret cabal controlled by simon holmes of court gave them all such an awesome national platform like they say that all publicity is good publicity you know and the the media, the right-wing media who were trying to bash the Teals, say they're secretly Labor, secretly Greens, etc. cetera, um, gave them so much to run on on the ground, gave them so much publicity, gave them so much of a megaphone. And I think the, uh, the right-wing media shot themselves in the foot there and I couldn't be happier.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, now we've got them there, and I think that Albo will respect their presence there, even if he gets 76, he won't say, yeah. Well, about you. I, I think because he's got to handle the Greens in the Senate as well, and, and people like David Pocock in the Senate. And I think he will handle them more tactfully than Morrison would have done in any second. But let's come to the Conservative side of Parliament. Uh, uh, they deserve this hit. And I believe they're going to divide into two. Now, first of all, Barnaby will rant and rave about our great, and I can't, for the life of me, work out why anybody in the bush would want to vote for Barnaby. That is just beyond me. But that's another, another story. But he's going to throw his weight around now. I think what will happen is that he will now encourage. The Christian right, if you want to call them the Pentecostals that the media have been calling them, some of them are Pentecostals and some of them not, that, that's a recognized religion. But uh, he's, um, I think that Barnaby will try and snare some of the Pentecostals over to the National Party. He's already trying to do that with the guy who won in Toowoomba that beat my my friend Susie Hoffman. Uh, and, and there's a couple of others that he will try and and, and and get over into his camp so that he builds up the National Party numbers more. So I think we might see the Pentecostals leave the Liberals and, and go to the Nats. Then what was ever left in the Liberals, one might call the moderates uh, because uh, although there are still some who aren't on the Christian right who are, still anti-climate change for reasons that are utterly beyond me and so we're going to be left with a, the rump moderates in the liberal party and you've got to wonder whether that party has got a, a future uh, what's going to happen in uh, when we come to the election in three years time what will happen i think we, we're going to see a split in the liberals now and, and so how do you what do you think about
0: it? well i think um Almost the, the biggest litmus test of the Teal movement will not be how they went this election. and They did stunningly and they should all be so proud of how well they did because they are going to be excellent community advocates. And I'm very happy that the people in those communities get someone who represents their interests instead of representing Barnaby's and George Christensen's interests. But I think the biggest litmus test of the Teals will be how many of them hold on at the next election. Um, not that we're talking about the next election, yet we have three years of elbow to go. That because you look at independents around the country, once they bet in for two terms, they're almost impossible to unseat. Yeah. You look at Andrew Wilkie in Tasmania, he could be there for another 50 years if his body allows it. Yeah. Same with Bob Catter. Um, you know.
1: Indy. Indy. Uh,
0: Kathy, yeah. Kathy McGowan and in Indy, exactly. Zali stegel has got two terms up, um, and she's probably going to stay for a long time. Rebecca Sharkey, the Centre Alliance in South Australia, she's been re- elected three times now. It's once these independents really stick, they stick for a long time because uh, it's it's that community sentiment is so hard to break. I don't know his name, Ted, someone or other who used to hold North Sydney. You might remember him, um, some independent in North Sydney. Uh,
1: that was yeah. it, and Ted Mack. Yeah, Ted same Mack. deal. He from what I understand. For, he held it for a long time. Yeah. And, so and, and that's one of the reasons why they got it back this time because they, I've seen it twice. It was an independent seat, and so the independent candidate think there did well. But out in Calair, where Kate Hook to me, well, that's where a fellow called Peter Andron was uh, an independent for 12 years. And she, she phoned me I'm sad to say that people were coming up to her and saying, well, we want Ted back, we want uh, the Peter Andron's influence back again. And she did well because there was an independent thought there.
0: Yeah, and look, your friend Tony Windsor, another long-serving independent.
1: So Mm -hmm. once
0: those independents really bet in, they're there to stay. And these, like these Teal independents and David Pocock in the ACT Senate too, all being very young, um, they, if if their constituents allow them, they could all serve for another 20, 30 years. Um, So, you know, not not to get too far ahead, obviously. Interesting
1: days ahead. Now, it looks to me as if the way the Greens are going they may get to be in control of the Senate all by themselves at the influence of Jackie Lambie and, and uh, you know, it is not uh, going to uh, be what it was. Uh, and I don't know, did Senator Patrick get back or not?
0: Unfortunately, no.
1: No. But I noticed that Nick Xenophon only got one mm. all, all he did was muck up Rick Patrick. But anyway, uh, you know, I think that, It'll be interesting as to how it works in the Senate, uh, you know, if with, with the Greens have Mountbatten for the first time, and, and so we've got interesting, uh, we've got interesting days ahead of us in all that. Now let's let's look at uh, a few of the high-profile uh, 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 losses. Josh Reinberg hasn't conceded. I think I can't see. He says it's statistically. Possible to win, but this has not been an election where statistics have <laughs> have done anything really. And I think Josh is uh, hoping have, I, I think that Monique Ryan has uh, has won. Now, now he he lost. In my view, I mean Josh Rodenberr is a long-standing friend of mine. As you know, he was a friend of mine before he went to Parliament. Selman Cowan, the former Governor General, introduced us, and, and and he's a decent bloke to meet socially and he's a good friend to have. He, I believe, was if he had not had to do economically what Morrison wanted to do if Josh Brodenberg had had his own choice as to what policies the Liberals could have had, he he would have done a lot better. I I think that uh, he lost because he was loyal to Morrison and that took him out. But he also had a very formidable candidate against him and you know, uh, and uh, and she really ran a, a spectacular, you know, campaign. And so uh, what worries me about it is that had Josh not lost, he would have been elected leader of the Liberals. i But no doubt that he would have rolled Dutton. So now Dutton is going to get a free run. Because if you look at the Liberal Party, you can't even think of anybody other than Dutton who could lead it at the moment. They're all dopey, you know. And so, you know, it's a you got to see, that me flat out find the deputy even, you know, for it. And so we got a situation where Josh losing means that Dutton is going to leave. Now, we might look at that and say, well, thank goodness Dutton's leaving because that, that, that'll wreck any their chance of getting anywhere at the next election and so where we, you know, where we go. And so Frydenberg's loss has got some implications, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, that there's that old saying, you know, you you knock off the crocodile closest to the canoe. And so I, I don't want Peter Dutton being the crocodile closest to the canoe because he's not someone you want anywhere near the Leaves of power. I, I see the argument, you know, Peter Dutton as leader is unelectable. It'll continue to read the Libs for years to come. But, um you know, I, I'm just wary because Hillary Clinton's supporters said that same thing when Donald Trump won the nomination. Well, that is you know, true. Peter Dutton will be unelectable provided Labor makes him unelectable. Labor can't just expect because Peter Dutton may be the Liberal leader that they will have a free ride to power again in three years' time. They will have to make sure they highlight all his faults and while they are in government, be a good government that materially improves people's lives. And if they do that, they should get re elected. In terms of a high profile loss on our side, um, Peter Dutton's counterpart, Christina Keneally, uh, goes down in the seat of Fowler, um, beaten by community independent Dai Lee. But I
1: work hard to get. Christina Keneally knocked off, and some of my friends in the Labor Party probably won't talk to me now, but I just believe that you can't be, as a party, the Labor Party's a party can't say, we stand for democracy and we want democracy, and, 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 and uh, uh, Scobar wasn't giving us we stand, You can't say we stand for democracy when in your own party you overrule the rank-and-file members in the electorate and say, we're going to tell you who the candidate's going to be. And I just believe that that was wrong and it had to stop. And and I did the best I could to help uh, remotely on my computer to help uh, the independent win. And I just hope that this whole business of parachuting flash candidates in somewhere is something that stops in in the future.
0: I completely agree. Like Fowler is a historically very left-wing leaning seat. So if at the next election Labor puts up a local representative candidate i suspect we will take that seat back and we better damn well learn the lesson um oh. because you know you don't you don't you get second chances with these things but you don't get third chances because yeah, people yeah. don't forget this um another high profile casualty um we we don't know yet if pauline hansen will be returned to her senate seat she probably will but
1: well, she's in front at the moment but but uh... Her vote in, in, the, in Brisbane dropped. She had a big influence last time in taking a lot of the seats in north Brisbane and north, that, uh, and uh, her vote there this time dropped. But out in the bush, she still did uh, all right. And that also raises the fact that uh, the Labor Party didn't get, to my knowledge, unless there's somebody snuck up over the night, hasn't taken any seats off the LNP north of Brisbane, am I right?
0: Um, yeah, we unless we, um, we steal the seat of Brisbane proper, I don't think we've won any new seats in Queensland full stop. I don't think, so, and
1: I don't think you're going to win uh, Brisbane. I think the Greens uh, you mm-hmm. know, will, you know, will, will get there and, and, and that'll be one of theirs. And so Pauline Hanson uh, is in front at the moment. Uh, I think the Campbell Newman's campaign hasn't hit the, mm-hmm. the high spots. and There is a chance that the Greens, if the Greens vote in the Senate, and there's a lot of people who vote Green in the Senate even though they voted somewhere else in the House just to try and get a bit of balance into politics, I wouldn't be surprised if the Greens not just won one seat, but in fact they win two. I mean, that is the realm of possibility. But the Liberals and Labour, as a matter of fact, at the moment, uh, the electoral Anthony Green, is saying that Labour hasn't even got two in the Senate in Queensland. They're only saying that uh, the top uh, Labour guy, uh, you know, is is in, but but that Anthony Chisholm is a real good senator. He hasn't got the numbers yet. And so there's some funny things uh, happening. Now, I I, I think that Anthony Chisholm will get there, but in the olden days, there wouldn't have been the slightest doubt that candidate number two was going to get there. And, you know, so we We had a high-profile loss in Brisbane Terry Butler has lost the, you know, the seat of, uh, Griffith. of Griffith, giving you know, the Greens their third seat in the House of Reps. I don't know why they're still only showing them two, because the Dadam Ban, her and, and the lady who won Ryan. And, and, and uh, my friend Terry, but she's a friend, not, totally opposite politically that Josh Frydenberg, but Terry Butler's a friend. I only met her when she got the bud. where I met Josh before? And I, I, I back her in every campaign. I make a donation to her in every campaign because she is very switched on about two things of interest to me: the environment, and she's big on constitutional change. And was my political advisor on constitutional change, managing lawyer. And, and so I'm sad that she's lost. But she actually came third. This is one. Of the, she came third in that seat. The Liberals actually. Got ahead of her, which is quite, quite extraordinary, and and uh, and I think that become because the Greens took a lot of her votes and that that the Liberal sort of sneak up. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 sad that that happened. I'll tell you what, the the, 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 the Senator Watson Brown, the name of me now. Senator, she's the daughter of a doctor who used to look after me sixty years ago. He won the seat of Ryan, which used to be one of the safest. Liberal Party seats in, in Australia way back when I was a boy. And, and I remember one Liberal broke, held it to 30 years all by himself. And, and, and she ran a spectacular campaign in that she had people on the ground there. She worked at the university and the whole university. She's a professor in the whole university turned out for her. And she door knocked that place half a dozen times. And she had people on the ground everywhere. And I think one of the lessons that I've learned of the independent health. They've got to now. If they want to run next time, they need a thousand people lined up to be on the ground and get out there and do it. She ran a spectacular campaign, what's on the ground.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's that's what these independents have had, be they Teal independents or the Greens in Brisbane yeah. Greensland, as they call it now. Um, the these independents have had a massive groundswell of community support. And what it goes to show is, I think. The, the big narrative Scott Morrison was pushing, you know, well, one of his big narratives was Australians don't want governments in their lives. They want to live a life free of government. They just want us to get on with our jobs so they can get on with theirs. Now, that's a pretty commonly sort of held belief, especially amongst the media. But all these, in, and maybe it's true in some seats, um, but all these independents getting up and these Greens candidates getting up show, people are politically switched on. People are activated. And if you go to people with a vision and causes they believe in and causes they are passionate about, in this country, you will be rewarded for it and you will find support. You will find volunteers and you will find that huge wave of enthusiasm that the Teal candidates and the Greens faced at this election. To my mind, the real story from this election is all around the country, it's a win for people who listen. It's a win for the Teal Independents, who listen to their local seats. It's a win for Di Lee in Fowler, who listened to her local seat. It's a win for the Greens in Brisbane, who listen to the constituents of Brisbane. And Labour in Western Australia and Victoria listened to their constituents against the their state governments, listen to their constituents against the whims of the federal government. And they are all, were rewarded for it too. So to my mind, the big story out of this election is if you listen to your electorate, if you listen to your constituents and you give them something to be passionate about, they will reward you for it.
1: Sure. Well, that's good. Now, our half hour is up, James, and we haven't done our... We'll finish up with our good and bad people of the week. My good person for the week of this election is Cathy McGowan. uh, uh, It was the original uh, uh, independent who won the seat of Indi uh, from Sophie Mirabella. And she held it for two seasons and two elections rather and then uh, passed it over to Helen Haynes, who's now won it a, a, a second time now. Kathy McGowan has spent this entire election out there getting volunteers, and getting independents to run everywhere. And, and and she worked with me in the seats I was in, but she worked in lots of seats and she helped. It. She was behind the field and, you know, whatever. She represents... In, in her private life, just getting around and saying the things that you're saying, that if you believe in something and you want to run for Parliament, please get there and do it. And if you get yourself organised, you can win. And I think she's my uh, person of the week, Cathy McGowan. She made a, a huge effort in that regard. Who's your person of the week?
0: I've got to give it to the 31st Prime Minister of Australia, Anthony Albanese, um, okay. a, 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 be it a Labor majority government or a Labor minority government in a uh, minority situation where they rely on confidence and supply from Greens or Teals or any mixture in between, Um, there are a lot of people my age and a lot of people um, older too who, like I said at the start of it, actually have a real sense of hope for the future now. And today is not the end, of course. It is the beginning. Uh, it, It is important now not to rest on the laurels of knocking off Scott Morrison. And to implement real progressive change in this country, uh, change for the better, and that's um, that's where I hope we are headed. And there are a lot of people who certainly feel the same. Who's your uh, bad guy in the week? Yeah,
1: well, well, well. Um, uh, uh, my congratulations to Albo, and and he achieved something. There's not too many Labour Party prime ministers who've come from opposition and taken the, you know, the thing, and I think there's only three since the war, and so. You know, that's good. Now, my dad of the week is, bad, is Tim Wilson, the bloke who lost Goldstein. He ran the most rotten campaign against Zoe Daniel. The misinformation, straight out blatant lies, pinching her core fruits, changing her signs, and actually put up on election day across her thing, racing around, putting a sign up, saying vote independent, and you elected it, and it had elbow's picture on it. Vote independent it is what you get, slapping them up all over. Uh, the electorate, and I just think that we don't want that sort of person in Australian politics uh, again. And, and so he's my dud
0: of the week. Look, your dud of the week is someone who, and I completely agree, we don't want Australian politics again. And uh, my dud of the week is another person we don't want in Australian politics ever again. And um, I'd, I'd like to say, and pardon my French here, because we every now and then we curse on this show, but suck shit Clive Palmer. It feels so good to say that. Um, Year, like a whole year of freedom, freedom, freedom. The United Australia Party will cap your interest rates at 3% and bring all our super back from overseas. Stop China. Stop the vaccine. Stop governments. Ah, it's done. It's gone. It's finished. We can
1: ignore him. I mean, he he spent a hell of a lot of millions of dollars uh, uh, to achieve a couple of percent. You know, all around. Uh, exactly. He didn't even get anywhere in the Senate in, yeah. you know, in in, in Queensland, and uh, and, and uh, you know, one hopes that he might, uh, you know, disappear uh, disappear from the you know from the scene. And yeah, uh, and uh, so anyway, look, it's 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 been a spectacular weekend, James. And oh, yeah, I I know that uh, you you are uh, a Labour Party man, but you're a balanced Labour Party man. I appreciate it. It's the good things that other parties do or other people do. But it's good that there's a change now, besides which I don't reckon any government should be in power for any more than three terms. I reckon if in 10 years you haven't achieved what you want to do, you should bugger off and go, you know. (laughs) And so after nine years, it was due for a change. And, and, uh, And when you look at Tony Abbott as Prime Minister and look at Albo, the difference in depth in sheer depth of conviction, is enormous. And so we've come a long way from Abbott nine years ago uh, to now, and I hope that stays on.
0: Yeah, thanks for your remarks, Admiral. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, We will obviously be returning week in, week out to hold the Albanese government to account, uh, to review all the good things and the bad things and give our terrible, dreadful opinions. (laughs) So thanks for everyone listening uh, across the campaign, and we'll continue Thank to... Uh, Thank
1: well, thanks to our listeners, and good to chat to you again, James, and we'll chat next week. Bye for now.
0: As always, Jeff now, Ev. Thanks for listening, all.